Welcome to AP GoPocast from Whitman Hanson Regional High School in Whitman, Massachusetts. I'm history and government teacher Steve Botello. And joining me every episode are students from our Advanced Placement United States Government and Politics course to share their insights on current political news stories in these turbulent times. Student guests will discuss the facts and sources of these stories make connections to our curriculum, and most importantly, share their own opinions on the big issues of the day. This is AP GoPodcast, Episode 3, recorded December 12, 2019. Joining me this time are Nicholas Femia, Ryan Rollins, and Adam Everidge. We'll be hearing about gerrymandering in North Carolina, pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong, and the quid pro quo. So joining me today are Nicholas and Brian and Adam. And Nicholas, you're going to talk to us first. What did you read about? So my article was about a gerrymandering case that's been going on lately in North Carolina. Uh, it's from the New York Times. It's called Republicans Redo, Redrew and Gerrymandered Map, Try Again, Say Democrats. Uh, so AdFonts Media gives it a slightly, gives New York Times a slightly liberal bias, but it has a really um, high reliability rating. And the article, to me, didn't seem to have any noticeable bias. Um, it just kind of presented the gerrymandering controversy without explicitly or even implicitly favoring one party or another. Um, and it explains how North Carolina Democrats have rejected a um, congressional map that was drawn up by the state legislature, which is made up mostly of Republicans currently. And the legislature was ordered by the North Carolina Supreme Court to redraw their old congressional map, saying that it was gerrymandered because 10 out of the 13 seats in the federal congressional districts were Republicans and only three were Democrats. And um, the new map contains eight Republican majority districts and five Democratic majority. And the Democratic Party in North Carolina still has a lot of trouble with that. They still think that it's not proportionally representing the um, numbers of Republicans and Democrats in, in the state. and. Um, the Superior Court ruled that the old, that the map has to be, that the issue has to be fixed before the state's primary election for 2020. And Republicans argue that Democrats are urging for the creation of another new map simply because they want to have a majority in the state, while Democrats are arguing that the proportionality is not correct. Um, and it reflects, the way to connect it to our class is that it reflects gerrymandering and redistricting. And um, it will increase the chances of state representatives in the House coming from the Republican Party if the map stays how it is. If it, it has to be changed, then it might affect, there might be more Democrats in, in the House. And um, it's related to the Supreme Court case, Shabby Reno. Even though Shabby Reno was about racial gerrymandering, this is just about political gerrymandering. And the court's been kind of reluctant to involve, the Supreme Court's been reluctant to involve itself in political gerrymandering after um, Rujo v. Common Cause. 2019. And um, it reflects the idea of competing policymaking interests because the Democrats want to have a, major a majority in the state's um, congressional, for, to have a majority of the seats in the federal congressional, congressional district um, because they want to have their policies reflected 
in Congress, while Republicans want the opposite. Um, and I think it's not likely that the case will make it to the Supreme Court just because of the reluctant way that the court's been, um, the court's proved very reluctant to want to involve itself in these issues. So even if it did make it to the Supreme Court, I think that the court would rule that there wasn't a lot of gerrymandering going on, especially since they fixed the old map that um, the Superior Court in the state had an issue with. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what my thought. So if the original districts were 10 to 3 in favor of the Republicans, and then North Carolina self-selected down to 8 and 5, what do you suppose would the North Carolina Democrats be happy with? What balance do they want? I'm not sure. I think since this, I, I tend to think that this is really just a political issue, so I think they're not going to be happy either way. Like, even if it was, if this were the Republicans, I think the same would hold true. That even though if they didn't have a majority, they're still going to complain about it and want to see more seats going to their party just because of their um, the partisanship that's in the polarization of the two parties that's been occurring. Do either of you guys have a question for Nicholas? Well, uh, you kind of answered both of my questions, but one, <laughs> of, one of them was, uh, since this is purely like political between both parties and this gerrymandering, that's what this case is about, do you think that if it were to go to court, uh, that the their arguments that they're unbalanced would be upheld? So I think that the court would probably really look at the percentages of Republicans versus Democrats in the state and within the districts and see if there's a really big difference that way. Um, but otherwise, I think that the court would say that this is just a political issue that we don't really want to involve ourselves in because it doesn't have to do with really inequality like the shots being on case did. Um, I was wondering, if, with just a few months left until the primaries, do you think it's actually worth it for the North Carolina Democrats to be pursuing this any further? So that, that's actually probably part of the reason why they're doing it is to just to increase, if, if they were to increase their majority of within Congress, then the people might see that as the Democratic Party like gaining strength and then they could, that could affect the elections in some way. Um, but I think, I, I, I think it's like kind of politically motivated just because of the primaries coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking that like, um, like it, it, like it would obviously give them an advantage, but um, I think that if, if it's like really close to um, to the date, like maybe it just makes things a lot more difficult for them. And like you know, the North Carolina government in general, so just maybe the pros and cons of that. Yeah, most of um, the federal elections within the state are really close between Republicans and Democrats. So the Democrats may have a valid claim. Yeah, looking at the percentages of recent federal elections, it, it's pretty close to 55-45 in favor of the Republicans. So definitely a 10-3 split would be too far, and 8-5 and five might still be a little bit too far. So I, I wonder if they'll make any progress. Good. Thank you. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Brian. So on, on my article, it was a, uh, an article about the United States bill supporting Hong Kong rights. Uh, and it's called, it's titled, uh, U.S. Bill Supporting Hong Kong Rights Heads to Trump's Desk. Uh, this uh, article is posted on the New York Times website, and 
I think that uh, the New York Times website has a slight bias, and according to the media um, media bias fact check.com, it has a left center bias, and but this is offset with its mostly factual um, uh, it's mostly factual uh, information. So I think that this article is is good enough for for us to uh, mm -hmm. to understand. Uh, in the, in the article, I didn't see any heavy uh, stereotypes or uh, extra bias than normal. So I think that it was it's good factual information. So the main part of the article was uh, talking about the the protests in China, uh, especially in Hong Kong, where uh, the protesters were uh, uh, were wanting equal rights and. From the uh, the Chinese government, and this is kind of difficult for our government, is especially because uh, the relationship between the United States government and the Chinese government is kind of it's kind of fragile at the moment, and there's been uh, between Trump and the Chinese government at least there's been lots of talk about the the trade deals and the tariffs that have been going on, and it's really a fragile moment for this to be happening. So, uh, also, there was a uh, imposed three hundred and sixty billion dollar tariff agreement, which is still in the works. When this uh, bill came out, which could uh, could make our uh, agreements with China difficult. <coughs> uh, this bill is is good in nature, but it will only increase the tensions between uh, the United States and China. And it's already implicating delicate trade deals with China. Um, this article reflects the idea of constitutionalism, and it's seen where uh, the president has his uh, power over government to veto the bill if he so chooses, which didn't actually happen since this is uh, this bill has already been passed by uh, the Senate, uh, the House of Representatives, and uh, through uh, President Trump. And uh, this is an example of their uh, a check and balance that the president has over the the, uh, the legislative branch. Mm -hmm. um, I think that this bill is should have should happen, but I don't know if it should have happened this soon, since we needed to uh, to iron out our deal uh, agreements with China before, so that this wouldn't affect how America does its business and other trade agreements with China. Fortunately, since it was it was uh, instated, uh, there wasn't many changes with our trade agreement. So I think it was overall a good good addition to our legislation. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask a tricky question. Okay. Let's imagine you are president of the United States, and you have the choice of whether or not you want to sign this piece of legislation. Congress overwhelmingly passed it, uh, what we would call a veto-proof majority. Mm -hmm. And it's not the sort of law that will result in any kind of sanctions against China, at least not yet. It won't result in, hopefully, anything like war. But you could use this to send a message 
would you choose to sign this bill or would you veto it or ignore it? How would you handle this? Um, personally, I think I think I would probably, uh, it's, it's a really tough thing to say because I really, I really like how this, this bill, you know, recognizes the people for wanting freedoms because that's, that's what the American ideology is about. It's, it's sort of like how France recognized us as free from, you know, the English, uh, English empire. So I think, I think even though I said that it should have waited, I would have passed it because it's just the idea of American idea. Uh, it's, it's the American freedom ideology that I support. So I'm going to put you two guys on the spot and ask you the same question. If you were president of the United States and Congress sends this bill to you, given the difficult trade position that we are currently in with China, Nicholas, what would you do with this bill? So I think that even despite the trade aspect of it, even though that's obviously important, I still I think that I would pass the bill just because, like Ryan said, like the American, all of American like ideology is pretty much based off of like freedom from repressive government. The Chinese government has really been repressing the Hong Kong people lately. So I think that this legislation kind of symbolically represents that we are not supporting that. We don't condone any kind of behavior like that. So I would, yeah, I would have passed it. I think. Adam, what do you think? I think although it would maybe be a difficult decision, I'd ultimately pass it, like including what Nick and Brian said about American ideals, but also because um, the majority of the American people seem to want it. Congress overwhelmingly voted on it. So to do so, to, to like go against this bill would be sort of like going against Congress and like against the American people. And with all the controversy regarding like companies like the NBA and Blizzard like starting to uh, kind of bend to China it's really a terrible idea for um, for for the president's public image and it's like just not like it's it's not something that should that should happen hmm. do either of you guys have a question for Brian on this issue oh. Nicholas um, so one question I had was um, I know it said I think in your article that President Trump um, made an agreement with the Chinese president not to publicly support the um, protesters in Hong Kong just to kind of protect trade agreement. So, so do you think that that's a good idea on the part of President Trump? Or do you think that he should be publicly supporting them? Because he likely, likely he privately does, but do you think he should be doing that publicly? I mean, since this bill has been passed, I think it's probably it's really his job to withstand the law uh, to you know make sure the laws withhold uh, upheld uh, so I think that he should publicly you know recognize that these people are should are you know free and they need to, you know, to be given rights Adam do you have anything you want to add um, I want to ask like in the event that China would be like would offended by this like what do you think would be like the inaction that they might take against the United States for passing this bill um, I, I was thinking that it could have it could have been something like you know them increasing their tariffs on us maybe or they could have you know cut trade agreements that have been going on for decades and that could have crippled you know the American economy because you know the American economy relies a lot on 
its tr uh, foreign trade and even you know, no, uh, tax agreements with other state uh, other countries. It could be it could be tough on the American economy and American sellers and yeah. buyers and merchants and consumers. You're absolutely right. Thank you. And we have one more story to hear from us, Adam. Um, so my article was from CBS News. Uh, it's Sonlin and Ukraine's top officials in quid pro quo Ukraine scheme. Uh, CBS News seems to be like a relatively like left center bias kind of source. Uh, like it, it seems to be pretty accurate according to uh, MediaBiasFactCheck.com, but uh, it. It also does have some like left-leaning. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the word, but uh, it it is sort of left-leaning, and it like in the article specifically, it mentions Trump using colorful language, which like honestly isn't really appropriate towards the the topic at hand. It's not really related. Like, sure, he might, but that's not really anything that has to do with the impeachment case specifically. Um, Basically, the article was like a live, like a, a live coverage of the of George Sondland's impeachment, uh, like his uh, his speech on the impeachment hearing, and uh, he is the uh, the U.S. ambassador to the EU, and what it mainly talked about is the is that he testified that there was a quid pro quo between President Trump and Ukraine. So basically what would happen would be that um, Ukraine would announce investigations of the 2016 American elections and Hunter Biden's position at a Ukraine oil company. In exchange for this, President Zelensky of Ukraine would be able to meet with the White House to attain aid from the United States. A few of the president's aides were notified of this deal, such as Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, as well as the rest of the State Department and uh, Trump's personal lawyer, Gianni, um, but it seems as if like uh, the like people in the people on the U.S. side uh, don't really agree that this is the best option. Even President Trump himself, and maybe would rather have something more straightforward and clear. So it this this uh, this impeachment hearing is somewhat related to the, albeit loosely, the New York Times versus. United States case because like while in that case uh, President Nixon was like accused of keeping documents from the public like towards the American military like trying to censor those documents um, in this case uh, George Sondland is trying to like uh, give more information that President Trump may or may not be trying to uh, not let uh, the public know himself so it's somewhat related because both of the presidents like wish to make sure that some sort of information doesn't get out because it would not be beneficial to them or to what they believe like would be beneficial to the country as a whole. Um, I think it is plausible that this could be used as evidence against President Trump as it like a, it confirms that a secret deal occurred but it ultimately depends on how the Congress people uh, on the House Intelligence Committee choose to interpret it. Like it could be just like he made a deal with a a foreign, like uh, he made a deal with the Ukrainian president, and it it seemed to be like 
a non-impeachable offense, like it wasn't that big a deal, or maybe it was. So. Okay. Do either of you guys have a question for Adam on this? Yeah. Brian? Um, so when I was reading through the article, I, I noticed that a lot of what he was saying, he used like uh, presumptuous terms like I believe or uh, I think. Do you think that the evidence that he has is factual and would be withheld from the Senate? I believe due to the fact that there's no actual like transcript that he was able to provide. Like he, he was angry at um, the State Department for not being able to provide that for him. So he's really just going off of memory. So it is somewhat, uh, it is somewhat based on what he believes or thinks. So maybe it's not entirely, like maybe everything he's saying isn't entirely accurate. But like there's no written record, so he can't really say anything, or he can't really have any more evidence than that. Uh, so just one question I had was, um, I know that Sondland is um, seen as like an ally of Trump, and even he was saying that he believes that there are kind of questionable feelings going on with Trump. So what do you think about that? Like that, do you think that, especially since he seems to be an ally of President Trump, that his testimony might be accurate? Um, I think that he was trying to tell the truth the best he could, especially considering his closest to Trump. Like. Uh, if he had all this to say about him, then maybe it would be much more uh, believable. Now, we are recording on December 12th, and just this morning the House Judiciary Committee is uh, continuing on in their hearings about whether or not they're going to vote to move the impeachment to the floor of the House. So we're right in the middle of this. We don't know what's going to happen as a result. but. Just curious, do you think that the president should be impeached for what you've heard? Do you think that he should be impeached? And if you do, do you think he should be removed? Or do you think this is much ado about nothing? Uh, I, I don't think that this is, is an impeachable offense. Well, it, it is an impeachable offense, but I don't think it should be he should be impeached for it because what he's basically doing is he's trying to figure out whether or not the Bidens have broken the law. They may be his political opponent, but they also may have broken the law. So if he's trying to use his, his allies to find the, uh, the information on whether or not they've broken the law, I think that he shouldn't be prosecuted for that. Um, I think that um, what he's been, what this like situation brings is definitely an impeachable offense. But maybe it's not really worth it, like so close to the next election, to go through the entire process. I mean, while the possibility exists, and in my opinion, is probably a little more likely than um, than him not getting reelected, I do think that it seems kind of like a something that's come far too late at this point, and therefore. It, Maybe it shouldn't happen right now, and maybe like it would start it up again in the next term or something if that ends up happening. Just from what I've heard so far, just a lot of the stuff does seem kind of like sketchy, and but I, I just don't know if a lot of the evidence can be relied upon just because it's like a lot of what um, the defense of kind of witnesses were saying and was that it was kind of like third hand 
secondhand, thirdhand, even fourthhand evidence. So, like people's memories aren't always the most reliable, and things can get distorted going from one person to the next. So, like once you get to like fourth person out, then a lot of stuff can be really watered down and kind of fabricated. So, I I just because just because there isn't really like a hard official like word for word transcript like there is a transcript but a lot of people say it's not like the actual transcript so um, I don't I don't think that the president should be impeached or removed from office from this just because I don't really think it's worth it um, even if he did was wrong in against the law or the Constitution it's not I don't think it's serious enough for him to be actually removed um, I just think that there's just going to create a lot of lot more division than there already is in the country right now politically. Thank you very much, guys. You did a great job. 